The reading is taken from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, chapter 1, beginning at verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become his servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you very much, Bill. Happy New Year, everybody. And I hope that you slumbered peacefully through it last night, or if you didn't do that, that you celebrated appropriately. Most of us love a mystery, don't we? Marianne, Hugo and I are excitedly looking forward to the final episode of A Spy Amongst Friends later today. But Le Carre, Len Dayton, Robert Galbraith, Michael Connolly, Tolkien, some of my favourites. In a book or on a screen, an exciting plot, a taut, engaging narrative, strewn with clues we perhaps don't recognise as such at the time. And as we compulsively, increasingly, breathlessly plunge on into the drama, we ask ourselves, how will this end? What will the outcome be? Will it turn out as we hoped? And sometimes the ending does take our breath away, even if it doesn't quite end as we had hoped. And sometimes, frankly, it's disappointing. I watched a very satisfying mystery drama recently, which provided two endings, both of which flowed logically from the plot, and you could choose which one suited you best. Well, be that as it may, One of the sub-themes that runs through Paul's letters to the churches is about a mystery. We heard it in our reading from Colossians just now. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. And Paul mentions this mystery ten times in his epistles. But he's not trying to perpetuate a mystery. He's not trying to keep us on the edge of our seats but is revealing, as he says several of those score times, what the mystery is. And the mystery is the revelation of Jesus Christ as Lord, Saviour and King. So this sub-theme in Paul's epistles is actually the sublime and capital theme of the whole Bible and all of history. Jesus Christ, Messiah, 
he recorded in the Gospels, lifted up in the epistles, gloriously revealed in Revelation. He it is to whom all scripture points. The pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ who walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He was the rock from whom the Israelites drank in the desert. His sacrifice for us is prefigured in minute detail in the tabernacle and temple sacrifices. And his birth, life, death, resurrection and second coming are highly accurately prophesied in the Psalms and in all the prophets. And here in our reading from Colossians, we have this glorious distillation of the message of the Bible in one life-giving and life-affirming sentence. The riches of the glory of the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what better way to begin 2023 than to consider for a few minutes the reality of what Christ in us, the hope of glory, might mean. There's not a great deal of hope out there on the street at the moment, is there? And I don't need to summarise for us what makes for a daily diet of woe in manifold forms on the front pages of our papers At every level and in every dimension of our communal life as a nation or as a community of nations, we seem beset by problems, dangers, chaos and disputes with no or very few solutions. Cause then to be concerned, to fear even, but not for the believer in Jesus. In him we have extraordinary hope, both for this life, irrespective of what comes our way, and most exciting of all, for all eternity to come. So first of all, in our passage, Paul is adamant about the fact that it is Christ in us that is what matters. Are we sure of who we are in Christ. Let me tell you how God sees you and me. I'm going to cover a lot of verses very quickly to raise our faith temperature. But don't worry, Tom has agreed that I can pass him a note for his next pastoral email on which all the verses will be recorded. So you note takers, don't burn your pencil tip trying to get them all down. But listen to these scriptures And let faith well up inside you. If Christ is in you, if you belong to Jesus, then you are God's masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10. You are owned by God. 1 Corinthians 6.20. More than that, you are a child of God. John 1.12. You are dearly loved by God. Colossians 3.12. You are complete in him. Ephesians 2.5. In fact, you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are a son, generically, 
We are all sons in the biblical sense. And if a son, then an heir, Galatians 4, 7. You are joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8, 17. And so Jesus is pleased to call you his brother, Hebrews 2, 11 and 12. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now in the spiritual sense. Ephesians 2, 6. You are chosen, 1 Thessalonians 1, 4. You are called, 2 Timothy 1, 9. Before you were born, you were called. And he's calling you now, this very minute. You are accepted in him, Ephesians 1, 6. You are set free, John 8, 31. You are under grace, Romans 6, 15. And you are blessed, Galatians 3, 9. This is the amazing hope we have in Christ. I had about two pages more of Bible verses. But this is the amazing hope, the biblical truth of who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And he has done all this for us so that in this life, irrespective of what it throws at us, we can learn patiently to overcome. We can learn the true power, love and provision of God in each and every circumstance. And as Jesus makes very clear in his teaching about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, he is more than capable of looking after his people. And so what he asks us to do on the 1st of January 2023 is not worry, not look at the problems and quail, but to take more notice of his word than the national press or Facebook or TikTok, or Instagram. It would be an interesting exercise, I think, although I expect a shocking one, to compare accurately how much time we spend each day feeding on the Bible and getting God's word deep into our beings with how much time we spend on social media devouring what the world has to say. Shortly after today's reading, at the start of Colossians 3, Paul says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you then will also appear with him in glory. So here's a good spiritual discipline for 2023. Actively to set our hearts, our desires and emotions, and our minds, our thinking and our hopes on Christ and on heavenly things, not earthly matters. For sure, we need to know what's going on in the world. And the Lord expects us to be intelligent, informed and wise travellers in this life. 
But Jesus also reminds us in the Sermon of the Mount that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So let's prioritize heavenly treasure over earthly gain. This is surely the triumph of hope in this life over fear and uncertainty. To seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, knowing that he promises to do the rest. But that's only part of it. We hope and expect God to come through for us in this life. And he does again and again and again. But sometimes we never lift our hope horizon beyond this life, let alone this decade or this year. And Paul secondly is clear in our reading that it is Christ in us the hope of glory. This is not about glory in this life. Jesus never sought that for himself. He actively avoided it, knowing that the glory, the glory awaited him for his return to heaven. Paul and all the New Testament writers also understood that any glory in which they would share would be eternal, reserved for them when Christ would make all things new. So what did our ancestors in the faith hope for? An easy life? Peace and security in this world? A problem-free existence in this body? Health and happiness now? A perfect world now? Well, possibly some of those things. But I suggest it was actually none of them. Because they knew that none of them were really possible. And that God had something much better in mind in eternity, way in the future. So they were looking beyond their circumstances, beyond the ups and downs of this earthly life. I hope you'd agree with me that we're looking, what we're looking for as God's people. The goal of our lives is also something different. It's not to be found here on this earth. Something about which we can have real hope because God has promised it to us. What is this promise? It is eternal glory, a crown that will not fade. Our ancestors in faith were seeking a different homeland, a different city, the book of Hebrews says, where our citizenship really is. A city prepared by God. A new heaven and a new earth. A day when Jesus Christ will come and judge all sin and wickedness. A day when Christ will come and reign on earth and condemn Satan and his minions to hell forever. A day when every knee will bow to Jesus and every tongue confess him as Lord. A day when, according to Psalm 85, righteousness and peace will kiss each other. A day when the nations will be healed. A day when all creation will be liberated back to the beauty of Eden, along with all God's people and all redeemed creation. And we will all sing for joy. A day when this body, this mortal body, will put on immortality. A day when we will be with the Lord forever. A day when we will know 
as we are known. A day when we will rejoice as the bride of Christ at the wedding feast of the Lamb. A day when there'll be no more tears and no more sorrow. A day when mourning and sadness will flee away. So as we contemplate Christ in us, the hope of glory, what might it mean for us on the 1st of January 2023? I believe the Lord wants his people to be full of this hope and his light. People who are sure of their identity in Christ and can live to glorify him and challenge others to submit to him. I believe that the challenge of Christ in us, the hope of glory, is to take God seriously enough to live lives of real quality, exhibiting his virtues and attributes and performing the works, both practical and supernatural, that he has for us to do in bad times as well as good. There's a line of thought abroad in the church, isn't there, that says, that in order to attract people into church, we need to become more like the world. That our Christian values are alien to modern culture and we somehow need to adapt our doctrine and teaching to accommodate modern people's expectations. Well, there are many ways in which biblical truth can be proclaimed in our multimedia age and we can change the delivery means, but we cannot, dare not, change the message. This is entirely unbiblical and a focus on becoming more like the world, of fitting in, of accommodating what the world sees as legitimate and loving, rather than following the Holy Spirit and becoming more like Jesus, leads inexorably to death. Jesus calls us out to be separate, to be holy, to be different but to be very accessible to those who need to hear the gospel. If we think that by becoming more like the world, the world will thank us and join us, it won't. It will spit us out. Hurting, lost men and women don't want to hear from Christians the unsatisfying and ultimately empty worldly aphorisms that they hear elsewhere. Whether they recognize it or not, they too are looking for something radically different, something deep and eternally satisfying, which forgives them their sins and injects the love of God deep into their beings, something that opens the gates of eternity and reunites them with their creator. They are thirsty for truth and they won't find truth outside of the deep counsels of God. The world is looking for healing and they will only find it in the stripes of the Redeemer. The world is looking for justice and they won't find it out with the rule and reign of the Lamb of God. When people see us, the people of God, living lives ablaze with the hope of Christ, they will be truly challenged and interested. Many will come to Christ but the world will generally reject. They are looking for the hope of Christ that we have and they need. 
So what is the greatest hope for 2023? It is Jesus. Do you know him? If you don't, would you like to know him? Giving your life to Christ would be the greatest start to 2023 imaginable. If you'd like to know Jesus, why don't you come up to communion in a moment for a blessing and quietly tell whoever prays with you that you want to take that step and they will help you. You who know him, do you follow him? Truly follow him. If not, getting closer to Jesus, kindling or perhaps rekindling that burning hope of Christ in you would be a great resolution for 2023. If the fire and light of hope have grown dim, come to communion and lay it out before the Lord and ask him to rekindle the flame. And you who follow him, do you want more? Why not more? Going deeper with Christ would enable him to do more in and with you than you could ever believe possible. As you receive the bread and wine, ask for more of him. That hope of Christ in you could make a real difference to those around you in 2023. So let's take the light of the hope of Christ into this new year and witness him changing the world around us as we stand for him. As we come to communion, let's be real with God and with ourselves and allow him to establish in us a hope that cannot be quenched by anything this world can throw at us and will endure brighter and brighter to eternity. Amen.